You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the PJ's Cast. I'm your host, Pierce Jordan, alongside Jimmy, and we have a very special guest, Saad Yusuf of the uh, Athletic Dallas. What's going on, Saad? Doing good, guys. I'm ready for hockey to get going, for sure. Oh, uh, yes. We all oh, are. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. With every single guest we've had on this year with the pandemic, and uh, we have to ask you what you've been doing during quarantine. Have you picked up on any new activities? Have you listened to any podcasts or watched any new shows or any new movies or read any books or any of that? Um, you know, not a lot of new stuff. I would say it's been a lot of reverting back to things that I've always done. I mean, I'm a, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, things like that, you probably know that I'm, I'm a huge fan of The Office. So I've watched that um, <laughs> yeah. another two or three times in the last in the last few months. Uh, I watched Seinfeld a lot. And then, I love Seinfeld. And then sure. other than that, I'm just watching a lot of a lot of uh, old hockey games. Um, mm. Been doing a lot of you know, observing of different stars, players that I'm going to be working on big pieces for. So just a lot of looking back on old stuff, not so much uh, a lot of, you know, new TV shows or anything. That's not really my thing. Gotcha. I was going to say, okay, good, good taste in uh, sitcoms already. I heard uh, Seinfeld, The Office. I didn't hear Friends. So that's already five stars there. Very much appreciate that. (laughs) No, those are probably my favorite sitcoms, honestly. Any so that's, that's awesome, yeah. Is there any particular games that you've watched that have stood out to you? Just any past awesome. games? Um, it, I mean, there there's a few from from there's a few stars games from back in February that I, there was one against the Blues that was really um, entertaining to watch, um, and then a lot of stuff obviously from the bubble. The game seven against Colorado was oh, yes. was oh, an God. adventure, so. Um, That's yeah, one of the best game sevens of all time. Honestly. Yeah, that it really is. Yeah, that was absolutely incredible. And then, and then you know, it, it's not so much watching full games. I've been more watching, focused on players, and just you know, <clears throat> noticing the little things that Miro Haskinen does and oh, things like that is just really fascinating. No, a lot of little things that guy does, and he's that. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in 
Rasmus Dahlin and uh, I mean even uh, Jamie Drysdale. Jamie Drysdale is another guy we've used in my car, well. but I think yeah. I really think Heiskanen has a chance to. Uh, I mean, he's got to get one or two Norris's in his career. I mean, that gets yeah. special. What was it? How many points did he have in the playoffs, Pierce? Do you remember? I forget. I think it was like twenty-seven or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he had Jesus. a ton of points. Like he was close and, to thirty. And he's like what twenty-one? Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. On that topic, yeah. uh, Miro Heiskanen is RFA this year. What do you think? What kind of Ooh. money does he get this off season? Oh man. Uh yeah, it's good. Like you know. It's interesting because, you know, normally you, you would expect, you know, top of the market thing for him and things like that. It'll be interesting to see how the stars kind of approach this because of a couple of things, because the pandemic puts a strain on the financial aspects of a lot of things. So it's all about do the stars want to do the stars want to give him the lifetime type deal <laughs> that Jamie Ben got, you know, right off the top or do they want to give him a bridge deal? Oh, yeah you know, kind of what they did with Denny Gurionov and Rope Hens here in the past offseason where, look, they, they signed both of those guys for two or three years. That's not to say that Gurionov and Hintz are going anywhere in two to three years. It's just bridge deals. So I think it's, you know, Haskins is going to be a, a, a top three NHL defenseman if he isn't already. Um, and so he's going to make that kind of money. It's just a matter of when he's going to get it, I think. Yeah. I, oh, fantastic! Yeah. I, I was wondering, kind of on that note too, do you think how how much longer do you think the window is for the stars? Because they really, I'd say they surprised me in in the run and how they made it to the finals. They definitely weren't my first choice um, to make it there, um, and they're kind of a mix of you know you got the guys like Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, you know these veterans up top even like the Andre Sakara, um, Klingberg's been around there for a while. Um, and they got rid of Corey Perry, but they still have Joe Pavelski. They've got guys like Kivaranta and Hins and Gurion. was a bit young as well. We, you know, just mentioned Heisken and Lindell's a little bit uh, in the younger side too. Do you think that their window is close to closing or do you think that they're in a bit of a spot where these young guys like Hins can take that next step? Maybe Gurionov can take a next step. Do you think the window, like how long do you think it's around with this team? Cause they're, they're a bit fascinating to me and, uh, kind of how old and how young they are at the same time. Yeah, no, I actually wrote about that exact thing about three or four weeks ago. Um, I think that this window, it, you, you have to, you have to wait, you have to, you know, determine what you mean by window. So I think the window with this core, this group of players is probably around for mm-hmm. another two or three years. That's why Rick bonus, when he got the contract extension was extended for two years, because he's a great fit with this roster, with the guys, like you said, oh, Jamie, yeah. Ben, Alexander Radulov, Tyler Sagan is going to be here for a long time, but you know, those kind of guys, Anton Hudobin, Ben Bishop, but, mm-hmm. and you know, the stars really revolve around their goaltending and Anton Hudobin and Ben Bishop are both under contract for only, I think two or three, <laughs> for three, for three more years. Um, mm. However, that's not to say that after three years, the, you know, they go in Chicago Blackhawks type rebuild because um, because that's not necessarily true if the uh, if the young talent can show up. Because if you're looking at the next generation of stars talent, like you said, there's Miro Heiskanen, there's Denny Gurionov, Rope Hintz, Thomas Harley is going to be you know someone that they're really high that's on. That's who I was forgetting on. Yeah, I forgot somebody. Yeah, Harley's yeah good player. Yeah, Harley, yeah. and then Ty Delandria is someone who they look to you know maybe help replace mm-hmm. Sagan here in the early stage of this season. They believe yeah. they have their next goaltender and Jake Ottinger. So oh, for if, sure. 
And so if they if these players kind of come along on the pace that they're expected to, then in the next three years, this particular window will close with this core. But th- but mm-hmm. then there could be a next window that opens up. Right, right. You brought up the Chicago Blackhawks. What can you tell us about Matias Yanmark and what he can bring to the Chicago Blackhawks? Well, yeah, yeah well, about the Blackhawks, obviously. <laughs> Well, I think with Matias, you know, it's interesting because, like I said, the Blackhawks are in such a rebuild. And then, you know, they just lost Kirby and they just, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Taze. Um, So with with all the uncertainty going on, I think Matias is going to have a much more of a starring role than he did with the Dallas Stars. Um, You know, with Dallas, he was very underrated uh, in terms of how the fans and and how a lot of the outsiders viewed him because – there was a couple defensively. Things. Yeah, he was great yeah. defensively. Um, he was great at getting to the net. He just couldn't put the puck in the net. Um, yeah. But but I think that also had to do with the fact that he was surrounded by so much more talent and so many other people that had the roles of scoring and things like that to where he didn't necessarily have to do that. And honestly, mm-hmm. we've seen this in the past with the Stars. Like two years ago, Val Nachushkin was, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't find the net to, to, oh, to God, save his yeah. life. And then he goes to Colorado and he's scoring goals left and right, right? So, yeah. you know, I think I think a change of scenery could be good for the goal scoring with Matias, but I think he's a very good, very strong penalty killer, good defensively, um, solid offensively and creating chances. Now he just has to convert them. Yeah. Well, that's exactly think... what the Blackhawks need because we need defensive-oriented players to, yeah. Especially to support our uh, goaltending, which is a com- incredibly unproven and a, I'd say a pretty average defensive core, and that's being nice. So having someone like Matthias Yamark and even guys that we signed like Carlos Soderberg coming in, that definitely helps. And uh, yeah, Jimmy, the floor is yours. Sorry, that I interrupted you. Oh no, no, you're fine. I was gonna say I think that um, Yamark's a guy that I really I, I love keeping my eye on with uh, the Stars. I I mean, uh, great skater. I think he's probably one of the faster players. He easily one of the faster players in the Hawks. Just uh, just being there. Um, what I noticed is that he, and um, I noticed that his production went down when they moved towards uh, Jim Montgomery Montgomery's system. And I know he's much more defensively oriented. Uh, and Rick Bonus just picked up that uh, that uh, structure and and worked with it as well. And I think Yanmark fits perfectly into that defensive role as we talked about. You know, he's fantastic on the penalty kill and. Uh, uh, just in that role overall. Um, but I would think that, yeah, on the Hawks, he'd be put in that offensive role. I think that a, a system like Colleton's, um, where it's much more run and gun, um, but you know, a guy like him is so good defensively that he can still show up in that regard. Um, I think I think he's a guy who he, and kind of to you mentioned, I, I guess um, he seems like the kind of guy who you put him in that, he, he, can, he can perform in that role. So I wonder what you think, um, in terms of like who who do you think they would play him with? What kind of situation do you think he would work in exactly in terms of offensive skill? I think and, uh, you know I, like I, I don't I honestly don't have an in depth knowledge of you know all of Chicago's lines and things like that right off the top of my head. But I will say I think you know he works well with speed, so he's he's someone who feeds off of that. I think that plays in his favor. Um, yeah. But but generally speaking, it's not so much the players; it's more the system. And like you said, mm-hmm. if you look at Jim Montgomery's system, which kind of spilled over to Rick Bonus, I think you know Bones mm-hmm. is going to finally be able to put a stamp on, uh, on his own team because this is the first time he really has a true off season to establish that. Um, 
you know, I think I think you look at Tyler Sagan's production, you look at everyone's offensive production across the stars, it all went down. It all dipped. Yeah. And so the, the, this was not a Matias Yanmark issue. This was more of just how the system is. Do you think that that's something that uh, Dallas fans put down a bit? Because I've seen Jamie Benn get a lot of slander for his lack of production, but he's so good defensively. Um, he's so good in his own end, just like a lot of the players in the stars have been in the system. Do you think he's become a bit underrated in that sense? Um, especially after, uh, you know, in 2014-15, he had the, uh, uh, that awesome last game where he, uh, he won the, um, the Art Ross is the uh, score, uh, leading scorer in the league. Do you think that um, with that production going down, do you think, yeah, do you think he's been an underrated player in that sense? Uh, I'd say he's been slightly underrated, but I think most of it has been pretty fair. His production has dipped. Some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, the year that you're talking about, you're under Lindy Ruff, who is a offensive mm-hmm. guy, right? Yeah. So, so it's very mm-hmm. different. Um, but also Jamie's, Jamie's game was not built to last for a long time. I mean, he plays a That's very true, yeah. physical style. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a few years he'll probably, he'll probably be on a checking line. Um, you know, things like mm-hmm. that because, because, you know, that he's, he's a big physical presence and, and that takes a toll. Right. Um, he can still put out a really, really strong shift once every couple of games or so. And when he does, Mm -hmm. it's very vintage. It looks like it always did, but, um, that doesn't mean that six out of these, I gave against Tampa Bay. That was incredible. The, uh, I believe he tied the game and then scored the overtime winner. Just a slick move on that. That was, yeah, that was the, uh, Jamie Benavold. I felt like I was seeing there. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's about all I have to ask about the uh, kind of their system. I find it very interesting. I haven't seen – I think of Barry Trotz. Um, I think right now I'd say that the three most enticing coaches for me are Bonus, Trotz, and Tortorella because you see these teams that they have – I think the Stars' roster is better than both those teams for sure, but you see a team that has all this offensive skill, right? They can put up points without question that was going – completely run and gun in 2015, 16, and absolutely just completely changed it. Like you said, all the points go down, but they're winning, you know, they're, they're winning these low scoring games and you see this team uh, become competitive again. And uh, I think it just shows how much a system can really change a team. And uh, I kind of want to transition to the Blackhawks in that sense, because the complete opposite thing happens with, um, with uh, Jeremy Colleton, who went from a zone coverage uh, sort of system uh, employed by Joel Quinville to go a man-on-man system that coming from a Blackhawks perspective doesn't necessarily work um, with uh, kind of how slow their team is. But from an outside perspective, um, what do you see with this team? Like, what, what can you make of it? Because I think that it's interesting to hear what other fans say that are, don't have any kind of bias ourselves. What do you think is really going on in Chicago? What do you make of it? Well, I think, it, I think you know, they, they kind of embraced where they are right now in terms of, you know, not – trying to chip little pieces together and try to just survive. They've kind of gone into a pretty much a full rebuild. Um, And, you know, so in this new division, it's going, I mean, honestly, it's probably going to be a battle between Detroit and Chicago and who finishes at the bottom. Right. So (laughs) that's what you were saying. Yeah. Somehow they'll top Detroit this year. Yeah. So I think, I think that's kind of where, that's kind of where things stand with, uh, with, with Chicago in my, I mean, to, to see Kirby go down was really tough. Uh, You know, that's a, that's a young talent. That's really exciting. Um, even, even on a bad team, when you have something like that, that's exciting to see him go out for most, if not all the season is tough. Um, definitely yeah. hope the best for Taze as well. You know, don't know exactly what's going on there, but obviously that's a tough situation. So um, I think, you know, look, I think the Chicago Blackhawks, they've, they've had a 
very long window and they've been very good for a long time. And I think, yep. you know, they're, they're it, it's tough, this. But, but I think, <laughs> but I think they, you know, I think they could be back um, sooner rather than later, but it's going to be, it's going to be a climb for sure. Definitely. It's going to be a tough couple seasons. Yeah. Um, I have to ask you about Anton Kudobin, who was one of the the breakout stars in the 2020 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, and uh, he's 34 years old. Uh, he's definitely not getting any younger. How younger? How long do you think he can keep this play up? Because he's had some tremendous seasons. He had a 9.23 save percentage in the 2018-2019 season, and then a 9.30 in 2019-2020. Do you think he can keep this up for another year or two? That'll be interesting to see. I mean, the stars certainly hope so because, you know, obviously with Ben Bishop out until March, yeah. they'll, they'll be relying on Anton a lot. And also they kind of want him to play well so that Seattle can um, hopefully take him um, in the, in the expansion draft, which would then open up uh, the door for Jake Ottinger next season. So I think the stars would, you know, they need Anton to play well. Um, Anton, I think, you know, over the last couple of seasons <clears throat> has, has been really good in a reserve role, but this is going to be the first time he really gets to go into a season as the starter. Um, and, you know, I, I think he's certainly capable of it. The starters have a really, really good defense in front of him with John Klingberg, Essa Lindell, Jamie Alexiak. So with, with that core, you know, it certainly makes it easier on the goaltender. But, um, but yeah, he's an un- unconventional goaltender. Um, he, he, you know, he, he kind yeah. of just plays with, with a tenacity that's built on just, you know, keeping the puck out of the net. There's not a lot of uh, Tim Thomas-esque. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was say Tim Thomas. He's like a shorter goalie and a bit older too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the, the stars will certainly hope that he's able to continue that. Yeah. All right. So you've been really good with your time. Thank you for coming on side, but we just got to ask you a few lightning round questions before we let you go. Um, first question. Uh, what's your favorite TV show of all time? Definitely the office. I've watched it nineteen yes, times, going on twenty. So, <laughs> whoa, okay, yeah. that's championship. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is definitely your... most rewatchable too? Yeah. What is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, that's tough. Um, mm-hmm. man, it, you can just tough. list a couple that you like. It doesn't have to be yeah. Good, like yeah, it's tough because one. I'm not I'm not very much a movie watcher, but I'll say some. I, you know, I still lean towards comedies, so. Probably something like Twenty Two Jump Street. Oh, yes, um, sir. Good stuff, uh, Bad Boys Two, like, was one of my favorites growing up. So, yeah, mm-hmm. those movies. Oh, Twenty Two Jump Street. Some of the best directors. Phil Lord, Chris Miller, man, that's some of the funniest fucking guys out there. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm gonna ask. I think obviously, totally the most important question. Thoughts on the Stars uh, alternate and reverse retro jerseys? Very, uh, very controversial jerseys. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the blackout jerseys that they revealed were, I, I think they look really good. Um, really? Okay. It's a matter of taste. You know, the, those mm. are kind of like the glow-in-the-dark type jerseys, and, and I think those those look fine. It'll be interesting to see how it looks on the ice. I was going to um, say, I think it'll look better on the ice for sure. Yeah, yeah. but the reverse retro were just, uh, that was There's one of the worst in the NHL. Yeah, I was really hoping for the Mike Madonna you know, mid, uh, mid career stars jerseys, you know, the cup winning ones. I was really hoping to see that again, but yeah. Yeah. I guess the intention was sort of there. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, uh, last question yeah. I have to ask, do you think pineapple belongs on pizza? 
<laughs> yes, I do. Yes. Uh, I respect uh, that. I respect that. Personally, not for me, but you know what? I respect your choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Very important question. All right, Saad, before you go, is there anything you want to plug a particular article that you're working on or any of that? Yeah, well, you know, training camp starts on Monday for the Stars, and so we'll have nonstop coverage at The Athletic. So, you know, you can follow my work at The Athletic and uh, follow me on Twitter at Saad Yusuf126 for – um, all the latest updates on the stars and everything. So, awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you for coming on side yeah. and being gracious. Your time. Thank you so much, man. Have a, good, have a good one, man. Yeah, no problem. Y'all have a good one. Welcome everyone to the PJ's cast. I am your host, Pierce, alongside with Jimmy and our, another special guest we have on today. Um, Scott Powers of The Athletic. We've actually had him on before, but unfortunately last time the file corrupted. So here's hoping it does it this time. So <laughs> welcome, Scott Powers of The Athletic. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good. Good. Thanks for having me back, guys. Hope you guys are doing well. Yeah. Uh, Thank you yes. for coming back on. Seriously. All right. Um, yeah, Pierre, start asking your questions, man. Come on now. All right. All right. Putting all the pressure <laughs> on me again. Once again, all right. Well, you know what? Um, so Scott, how have you been? How have you been these past few months since we last talked? Yeah, no, good. Just uh, kind of getting ready for the season and hoping there's a season and uh, waiting. Oh, yeah. and, fi- and finally, we're uh, we're here. To, you know, they'll be back on the ice. Uh, I think they'll be back on the ice in some form tomorrow. And then first official practice is on Monday. So it's uh, a nice thing. Yeah, I, I, you know, last time with the bubble, we didn't get to go to uh, actual games in Canada. So it'll be nice to uh, attend some home games and, you know, feel like it's uh, there's some normalcy. Uh, it'll be strange mm-hmm. without fans in the United Center, obviously. And um, but just to watch some hockey in person and, you know, get to go into some practices again. And, um, you know, it's it's certainly different than what it was, but it's it's at least something. And then hopefully sometime in uh, 2021, we'll uh, we'll have some normalcy. So it's uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a start. Yeah, hopefully back in fall. It sounds like the vaccines or whatever, you know, uh, they're sending out in America at the moment. It sounds like they'll be around like everywhere, like everywhere around like summer, fall. So Maybe I'm being a little too hopeful, but uh, it would uh, be so nice to have like a 20, the, the 20, the next season, at least to just have something, yeah, at least 50% I'm, 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 I'm guarding my yeah. optimism at this point is, you know, it's, it's, oh, this dude. has been such a slow rollout with the vaccine and well, dude, um, it's well, great that people are getting year, it, you know, so it's, but yeah, yeah. it's we'll, uh, after we'll last see, year. But... It's like, we got to go any kind of optimism. <laughs> it's like <laughs> no, you're ready for, for sure, everything, for sure. you know, yeah, I just, <laughs> I yeah. agree. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you, Scott, I, I feel, um, I feel like the biggest question I want to ask, I would want to ask any reporter is what, what is it like adjusting to this? Even like, I know you had the, the, the uh, playing around, but like you mentioned, you guys are going to be able to be at games and whatnot. What do you, th- what's that going to be like exactly? Like transitioning to that? How is that? Uh, how does that feel? What are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think being in person, you know, I think during the bubble, during the playoffs, it, uh, everything felt removed, you know, you're watching games, just mm-hmm. the fans and, um, you're doing Zoom interviews and there's just, uh, you know, there's really just, you, there's no personalization to it, you know, it's just like yeah. you feel removed and isolated from everything. So I, I think, you know, being at practices and then being at games, um, you'll you'll feel a little bit more uh, inside, you know, you, you'll feel yeah. uh, feel like you're part of this rather than kind of just looking at from afar from everyone. So, um, yeah. you know, the, the Zooms aren't fun, you know, I mean, it's, uh, they're, not, they're not exactly, uh, you know, like there's yeah. not one-on-one. And I mean, I feel like that's one of the nice things about covering hockey is that you have a lot of opportunities for one-on-one interviews and in the locker room, you know, everyone's talking to Taser and Kane, you can go talk to anyone mm-hmm. else. And uh, it, it sort of provides this opportunity for this more, uh, yeah, this intimate sort of setting and, and you know, more personal conversation and, and Zoom yeah. kind of eliminates that. Oh, um, sure. but, um, yeah, no, it's, you know, it'll, I, I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to, get, you know, just 
seeing some hockey in person is, is, is oh, going to be yeah. fun. And, uh, you know, covering it's, it's a challenge because you're basically dealing with the same stuff as, um, you know, as the rest of the reporters, especially on the, the Zoom mm-hmm. interviews, unless you get sort of a one-on-one from something or, you know, some kind of exclusive. So I, I think the challenge is to cover it differently and find different angles. And, you know, I, I go back to when, uh, you know, when the athletic first started, you know, nearly five years ago, we didn't have, we weren't credentialed by the Blackhawks and um, it was trying to find ways to, to cover the team without having access. And then, you know, obviously asking people to pay for that as well. So that was, it was a massive <laughs> hurdle early on. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm better off because of that. I had to, you know, analyze games and think of different ways to cover it. And, and certainly the last, you know, nine months since the, since the pandemic started, it's, it's been a challenge, but um, you know, Mark Lazarus and I both have, you know, pumped out, you know, probably 150 oh, yeah. plus stories, and it's, it's been like a dynamic uh, been, duo there in the yeah, athletic. It's, it's, yeah. been, it's been a bit of a ride, so it's uh, it's been interesting. It's, it's it's challenging as a reporter and different, but it's also um, you feel like you get your creative juices and you, you try some different stuff, and some things work and some things don't. And um, but yeah, for the season, I think it's gonna be the same. You know, I think there'll be a lot of analysis off games and. Um, we'll see how uh, see how interested fans are in that if if the season kind of goes sideways as a lot of people expect. So um, it'll be uh, yeah. it'll be a different and yeah yeah as a reporter you know win or lose the Blackhawks uh, you know I'm not a fan it's it's more yeah. of um, yeah but it's 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 a, it was interesting covering a winning team and it's been interesting covering a rebuilding team now too and they're, they're both yeah. uh, I guess they both oh, for your sake I'm glad you're not a fan I'm glad you're not a fan <laughs> right now it is uh, an interesting situation uh, to say the least yeah. I, I think you mentioned that, yeah, it's like you put, you put somebody in a box when it comes to like creativity and you have to work inside that. Like you said, it really pushes the creative juices. And I feel like I've seen, you see that a lot around the NHL right now and just sports leagues in general, because you got, like you said, you got people, uh, you got players sit, like, sitting in front of green screens with their team logo everywhere and people trying to like, like you said, there's that personalization gets taken away from it. There's such a huge difference. Like even just as a, as a fan watching it, there's just this unexplainable energy you get being there, you know, seeing it in person and not just, you know, looking at a screen and just kind of, you know, trying to uh, make something out of it. So, yeah. And, really, and for, yeah. I think for the players, for the games, you know, like I, I, I it's gotta be hard to get up for games consistently. You know, it usually is mm-hmm. a, you're in a packed building, you know, the United center or wherever it's, as as the home team you know that you, you know you're gonna have the juices going because of that noise and as an opponent exactly. i think it also drives yeah. you and so you know it just uh, not, not to take anything from tampa bay lightning or any team that wins mm-hmm. you know stanley cups or any championships oh, but it's just, there, there's certainly a missing piece of this whole puzzle you know and it's uh yeah i, I think we all look forward to when there's fans in the building because I, yeah. I i think without fans it does feel like it's more of um you know, like they're doing scrimmage. they have to do it financially to get through, you know, get through this. And there, there are reasons why you have to play. But it just uh, right. I, I don't think of sports if this if this was sports that a lot of us would be fans, you know, or, you know, like no, this, if this no. was the there's norm. something to, yeah. But so, yeah. I, I also think we'll appreciate it when, when it comes back. I think there's going to be a whole I think regardless mm-hmm. of teams, good or bad or wherever you're, you know, whoever you're mm-hmm. a fan of. I, I think fans are going to be packing the building and just getting wanting to have a reason to get out of the house and and go, mm-hmm. uh, you know, partake in a sporting event. Yeah, I think Tuka Rask uh, really hit on that, you know, the reason he left. And it, it, it was something that I, I thought about from the very beginning is that um, is obviously myself a very uh, long and uh, grizzled athlete throughout my high school hockey career in front of all the moms and dads, obviously very uh, much the same. Um, but uh, <laughs> there's just a different feeling in anything. And I know what 
you know what? Forget the sarcasm. Even as a as a kid, like there's something about having a crowd there. You're playing for somebody. There's that energy there. And I can't even imagine how it feels for the players. Like I was surprised at how many of them just had that self-motivation to make it through that playoffs because th- there's something different about it. even when you're in a away team, there's still the fans there you want to prove wrong. And there's yeah. something there. There's that energy. So, yeah. I, I think like, in college like sports, said, it's yeah. been most – I think in soccer, one, because you take away the, the oh chanting and all that. It's just – it's a different game. And then I think college sports, yeah. one, it's exposed – uh, I think universities for what they actually think of the college sports and, and, you know, mm-hmm. making these are, these are student athletes who are making them a lots of money and they need them. Um, but two, it's also, you know, you take away that element of college sports fans and it does feel a lot more uh, just amateurism and, um, but yeah, yeah soccer, I, I think was the first place that I really noticed it was, you know, you take away oh, yeah. um, as much as hockey fans and football fans, all the fans are great. There, there's nothing like no, soccer. Soccer fans. is completely different. Yeah. If we it, can, I've said it a long time, Pierce and I, if you can get hockey fans to be anything like soccer fans, it's going to be a great league. The KHL kind of does that. Yeah, no, I, you know, some I, wild no, things, man. The, the world championships, one of the coolest events. I know it's kind of downplayed in, in North America because it means that you're out of the playoffs and, and it's not always a destination for NHL players when they're done but when you go over there for countries like finland and sweden and i mean they 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 have as many fans there as you see in an nhl game and they're all chanting and they're all dressed oh God, up yeah. in strange outfits and they're all uh it's, kevin lincoln and won them a championship basically and they yeah, were like running yeah, no, in the streets but, they but, were but, parading over this it's yeah, awesome no, it's 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 the world championships are incredible and it's just it's yeah. it, it is it's it's sort of like european fandom i think uh and yes. the u.s we, we set our hands a little bit more and um, but um, it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. the world championships having been the two of them. It's really been an experience. Yeah. Well, Scott, it's the gentleman's club. You know, it's the gentleman's, uh, you know, sport. The more everybody, you know, punches each other when they get a little bit angry, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Pierce and I, we, we said yesterday that um, the thing that we're most excited for with the fans is uh, Andrew Shaw. I just want one Andrew Shaw celebration in front of the fans when they come back. I, I want to see the energy on that man's face. And I want to see... It's going to be really cool to see. This is a very niche thing. I just want to see how like the players' reactions to that. Like sp- Scoring in front of fans, there's nothing like that for them, yeah. I'm sure. That's going to be a lot of fun to see come back. I'm really excited to see that. So, I, that's I think my, Shaw, Shaw, having been out for this long now, uh, it looks like ever, he's going to be in training yeah. camp come, come tomorrow. It's... Uh, I think he's... I feel like he feels like he has to prove something, and, and certainly oh, there's sure. a different... Uh, he knows what what it's like without hockey and I, I it obviously took a huge decision to come back and you know we haven't had a chance to talk to him yet but I'm mm-hmm. I'm really curious kind of in his thought process and because I don't think at this point anyone would have um you know expected would have blamed him for you know stepping away and you know he's won cups he's he's made money he's he's had a great career and he's got a young family and mm-hmm. um you know he, he obviously took a lot of time and and, and made this decision and um yeah. it's it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what he's like yeah. when he comes back to him that was yeah. I think that one surprised me the most. Zach Smith. I feel like um, he hasn't had like a history of you know injuries. It was a back injury. I would have been surprised if he uh, called it quits. You know, stepped away. I think is a better you know a better way to say it. I wouldn't you know have been surprised if he did that um, after an injury like that later in his career. But it makes sense that he would be back. You know, it's not the uh, you know he hasn't been riddled with injuries. But Shaw, there's been a concussion history, and so you know, it's someone who has suffered from you know the the backlash of those i the first thing i thought is like this guy's got to get out of here and i still think that it would be it's the safer move it's it's always going to be the safer move but you know mm-hmm. like at the end of the day it's his decision so yeah like so you said you guys haven't even been able to talk to him yet 
Well, he he hasn't wanted to do media. I mean, we've, we've certainly asked, and you know, his off season, yeah. he's not really obligated to. So, oh, um, sure. I, I imagine that he's one of the first people you know requested over this next few days, and I'm sure he'll talk them. But oh, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm I'm curious what he has to say. I know that uh, you know just talking to his agent and other people that he's been uh, he put a lot of thought into it, and and certainly he's prepared his body and and his mind and um but he's certainly i don't think he can play like he he has in the past you know i think no. it's uh he has to I, change his game there's just no yeah. way about it there's no way around that yeah like you, you play the time of game he does it's gonna happen yeah and i, and I think with jeremy Collison, considering you know jeremy Collison gave up his career too because of concussions and you know he oh, was forced yeah. to step away that i think he uh um you know the, again it's it's shaw's decision no one's stopping him as long as you know the doctors say that he's symptom free and all those things that he's going to play but i think mm-hmm. I, I think jeremy Colton's going to be very aware and and try to put him in situations where this uh he is invulnerable to it and and certainly mm-hmm. mindful of it and i, I know Colton would have loved to continue playing and it just uh you know oh, the, yeah. the headaches and all those things just continued on so i I, right. I think there's a lot of understanding of what shaw's going through and um you know I think it may work to Shaw's advantage too, you know, Carlton being mindful of that and hopefully not putting him in, in difficult spots, but also understanding where he's coming from, why he wants to play. It's a fantastic dynamic. I didn't even think about it. Wow. That's yeah. That's fascinating. That's really interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm well, sure you've been saying. asked this question a million times, but, uh, and you're probably tired of it, but uh, what the hell is going on with Dylan Strom and the Chicago Blackhawks? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I haven't heard anything as of been. as of today. You know, I wrote about it yesterday. Um, <clears throat> what, what what I heard is that you know the Blackhawks offered something. Strom's camp came back with another offer. Um, the Blackhawks are pretty. Uh, I, I think Stan Bowman is making a bit of a statement, sort of with Corey Crawford, that they don't want to put themselves in a tough spot again. You know, like we've seen what co- bad contracts can do to them. Um, I, I think they were worried with Crawford having too much too much term and not giving. Uh, giving either Delia or Subban or Lincoln or anyone opportunity. And, and I, I think with Strom, it's they, uh, they, they want to have some cap space for this year to possibly weaponize the deadline. Um, they want to put themselves where they're not having multiple RFAs and uh, in a couple of years where they're having to pay and, and, you know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have the Brinkett and Kubalik and, um, you know, Doc and Doc and Boquist are up even uh, at the end of next season. Um, so you got a lot of contracts within a few years and, and, um, you know, Mitchell, and, and I guess we'll see what Nylander is now, but I, you know, Nylander's contract's yeah. up at the end of the season, so I imagine he doesn't get much. But you, you got a lot of young guys in the mix, and, and while that does benefit their rebuild plan, I, I does put them in a tough spot financially. And um, I, I think with Shaw you know, or with Strom, I, I, I think at one point they thought of him as a second-line center. Um, you know, he's sort mm-hmm. of shifted out of that, especially with Doc's emergence. And, um, you know, I don't know if they're completely sold on Strom. I think it's more of like they, they like Strom and they, and they like what he can provide, whether he's a, a main piece of the core going forward. I don't know if they're sold. And this this season, it, it, you know, honestly, probably an opportunity for him to prove that, he you know, he's going to be able to replace some of the minutes that Taves and Doc would have. Um, but I think Bowman is sticking to his guns in a lot of this way. He just doesn't want to put up too much term. Um, one, one either way I think it's a bridge deal either way but I think it's amount of money and I, I think he's uh, he's made this sort of uh, one of the uh, yeah I, I guess especially taking over the president of hockey ops that this is oh, this yeah. is his first opportunity to really kind of have his say in a, in a massive contract and um, so not even a massive contract but just, but a significant okay. you know, yeah. young player contract so I uh, I was told last week that there was a chance that Strom might not be a camp and the Blackhawks were prepared for that Um 
Mm. I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much money there's a difference. I think the numbers are getting closer, but uh, you know, it might be in Strom's best interest, even if he can sign a one-year deal and, uh, you know, suck it up whatever financially, and then just get that That's, opportunity yeah. to take those minutes. I, I think there's probably right now, I think Strom probably needs the Blackhawks more than Blackhawks need Strom. I think the Blackhawks are, mm-hmm. um, no one's going to see it publicly, but I, I don't think they're expecting to make the playoffs or they're expecting this season uh, to be a whole I lot. Put it, they're bad. Uh, they're bad. So. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So, but I, I, but I think it's internally they understand that too. So I think mm-hmm. I, I, I think they're waiting for Strom to blink than than more than Bowman might blink. I think there's, I think that Bowman wants true, to yeah. wants to prove something with this contract. And um, so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I know Strom. I believe Strom's in town, so he can he can jump over to Fifth Third Arena if he needs to whenever this is completed. But um, I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if he's on a camp tomorrow either. Well, I mean, I'll be over there in a few minutes. I'll talk to him. Hopefully I can work something <laughs> out with him. I, I'm in the area, so we'll work something out clearly. Um, on the topic yeah, sure. of, yeah. Sorry, on the topic of center oh, no, depth, ahead, how did uh, Carl Soderberg and the Blackhawks hook up to sign a contract? Yeah, it was, you know, from what I had heard is that Soderbergh was someone the Blackhawks actually discussed even earlier this year, and it just didn't make uh, much sense, you know, like knowing their center depth. And um, and then when Doc when Doc went down, I, I think they panicked, and they're like, well, you know, even if Strom comes back, we don't exactly have someone that fit that bill. And uh, and Soderbergh was available, and, you know, you, in fact, you can do it on one, one year, one million. It fits that, uh, you know, that type contract parameter and doesn't allow them much term and um mm-hmm. you know I, I think that's been the key this offseason too is that ultimately the blackhawks can walk away from soderbergh and janmark and wallbark um and even zadorov if they wanted to next year you know mm-hmm. I, I would imagine zadorov and maybe walmart come back is considering their rfas but uh, if the blackhawks don't like what what they give they can walk away from those guys and um i, I think that was a flexibility the blackhawks should have had last year and said they went all in with with term on dahan and smith and and, yeah. and uh yeah. mata and and you know all the way shaw and everyone down the line so i i think the blackhawks have actually handled this offseason pretty well um okay. you know i still think uh bringing back crawford would have made some sense but um, yeah. I think overall the plan makes makes some sense in trying to play the young guys and bring in some guys with some uh, maybe bring in some players with term that may or may not be part of your future, but you can walk away from them. So you know it sounds like Soderberg was still still searching for a team. Um, you know the Blackhawks came calling and, and it made sense and it, it provides him an opportunity to play uh, in probably a top six spot. You know probably as a center again. And um, so I, I think they both uh, you know for the short term it made a lot of sense for both both parties. Oh, for sure. I mean, is he a guy? Do you think they've had their eye on for a while now? Maybe a little more past the season, possibly. They seem yeah, to like the he, Swedes. Yeah, he he said that the Blackhawks expressed uh, uh, some interest before, so I don't know how extensive it was. Yeah, um, like you said, the center depth just never made sense. Yeah, especially yeah. with uh, Strom, Doc Taves. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I don't th- I I think the Blackhawks were done this offseason unless you know Doc got hurt. So I, I think it did change. Mm-hmm. You know, like it made an immediate focus on you know who's mm-hmm. available, um, and they saw Soderberg as the best option. At least you know he's a cheap one year option, so it, it it fit what they were looking for. So I, I don't think Soderberg comes on uh, otherwise. But it uh, I think it was a quick and easy phone call, and both sides are like, yeah, this makes sense. Let's do it. So. <laughs> well, like you said, perfect to walk away from. I think perfect with the deadline too if they want to move him he and Yanmark, i feel like are perfect deadline pieces if need be um yeah no, for you sure. know doc you... is coming back the next year after yeah no for sure yeah i think that's you know only you got a couple guys who can help a team if needed and um yeah. 
I think, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of thought on, there's been a lot of thought into uh, potentially creating more cap space and, you know, I, I, you know, ways that you can bring it on in assets and, um, and even, you know, if they trade a, a Soderberg or a Janmark and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if they can add a fourth, fifth round pick, who knows? I, I think there's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and you take on someone's very bad cap space too. I think there's another way to use that at the, at the deadline too. So I, yeah. I think some of that's uh, what Bowman would like to do and in having a little bit of a cushion in the cap, um, you know, if you have three or 4 million, uh, then you can take on someone's bad deal and allow them maybe to go get someone better at the deadline too. So yeah. I, I think those are all factors that Bowman's yeah. kind of considering right now. Let's, you know, I will give, I've been, I've been rough on Bowman. Uh, definitely not an unpopular opinion. Uh, not, not very um, uh, thoughtful and maybe, but um, I think you're right. There's a lot of credit to be given in how he's handled once he's given out four he's given out three contracts. It's just basically around one, it's just one by one, you know, Soderbergh, Janmark, and uh, Walmart. And uh, personally, I would think, I feel like Zadorov would be here longer, but um, I've got a good feeling that you're a little more connected to the Blackhawks than I am. So I'm going to trust more. Well, your no, on I, that. I, 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 I honestly <laughs> think Zadorov is here to stay. And, and that was sort of, even when Laz and I were coming up mm-hmm. with the expansion draft list, like it was interesting to figure out who, you know, who's sticking. Obviously you have the no movement clauses and you have some of the young guys and, and, and even got like Nylander now, like what does he get protected yeah. or not? But then you have a lot of defensemen where, you know, certainly it looks like, you know, Murphy and DeHaan, you know, fit into the long-term plans a year ago. But now if you're, if you're only protecting maybe another defenseman, you know, who do you protect aside from Keith and Seabrook? Um, oh, yeah. You know, it, it, it would make sense for the Zadorov, but you know, if, if Murphy or DeHaan are playing, um, yeah, you know, those guys are getting a little bit older too. So I, I think Sidorov as of now, like these tentatively in the long term plans and I and I and I think he stays, but it, you know, if it doesn't work out or a guy like Lucas Carlson or someone emerges or, or Alec Regula or someone like that, you know, who who knows? But um, you know, right now if I was picking I, I think Zadorov's here rather than, you know, I think they unprotect uh, you know, even Dahan and Murphy right now as of now. You kind of brought up that topic of what they might do at the trade deadline, and I think that's what the, a lot of Blackhawks fans are going to be focused on this year. Not, you know, this season, but, like, more long-term future. And I'm wondering if the Blackhawks are open to maybe taking back a crappy contract so they can get a good asset back. Maybe not on the level of uh, trade, getting, like, a table tear vine to take on a Brian Pickle, but, like, uh, I'm thinking last year... <laughs> be where, nice. I'll take I, that. <laughs> I was thinking last year where, like, Anaheim, I think, uh, gave Boston... Uh, or took on David Backus from Boston. They got a first round pick back. I'm wondering if they would uh, maybe consider doing a trade like that where they can get like a short term, maybe crappy contract or taking on like a first or a decent prospect or anything like that. Yeah, no, I, I think they'd be open to it. Just it, it probably depends on the term too, because I, I I can't recall the back situation specifically. But I, I, think, I think he has back, one year left. Okay, so I, I think he had a you know an extra year term. So it does make it a little bit more difficult, but. Um, you know, if the Blackhawks can afford it financially and, and that player isn't going to, uh, I guess, you know, thwart any of your other prospects from coming in or if you can find a spot for him that's useful. Uh, yeah, I think it makes sense. I, I think Bowman's open to that. I think, um, you know, I, I think there are advantages to the season kind of being, uh, you know, everyone going in a season with zero expectations. Now, I, I think it really allows them to play young guys and allows them to be uh, aggressive trading and bringing on a bad, you know, bad contract or trying to find a way to bring on assets. And um, I, I think there are a lot of upsides to eliminating expectations early on. And, um, you know, it, it might even allow Carlton to really coach the way he wants to coach too. You know, you can, you can make more, make more time to explain things or, or really 
emphasize what needs to be done in his system and, and maybe allow some mistakes and allow the younger defensemen, especially, you know, Mitchell and Boquist the, the, the you know, play the way they need to and, and not have to worry about every goal that's allowed or whatever mistake that's made. I think, um, but I, I think, yeah, I think it's twofold. They want one, it probably allows Bowman to be as aggressive as he needs to be and, and not worry about this season uh, and possibly take on a, you know, a Bacchus type player or, or find ways to bring on assets. And then um, I think it, it really does, you know, I think guys like PS Suter, I think PS Suter is going to really benefit from this season. I think, uh, Oh yeah. I think he's going to be given a lot of opportunity and certainly bulk with some Mitchell. Um, and, and this may open the door for Brandon Hagel a little bit, you know, even with the Nylander yes. out and, um, and, and Kurashev, I don't know if he starts in the NHL, but I, I think if he's, uh, you know, if he's playing well, that they give him a shot too. So I, I think that, you know, as nice as it is that I had, you know, the Soderbergs and that type too. I also think that, um, you know, if, if, if you're not needing to be competitive and, and those other young guys are playing well, then, you know, sitting a Soderbergh, um, it's, you know, I'm sure he won't be happy, but it's, you know, it'd be, it's, it's not really uh, his call at this point, you know, Blackhawks have to do what's best for their future. And if this season mm-hmm. has no relevance, then um, it, it's playing the Kurashevs and the Hagels and those guys. So I think, uh, yeah, this will, this will be a really interesting season to see how Carlton uh, utilizes that. Cause even now, I mean, Shaw coming back, I, you know, I, I, it's a nice story and, and it's cool that Shaw's coming back, but um, is he in the long-term picture? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if this, um, th- this you know mm-hmm. puts us a stopgap between a Hagel or someone too. So I think mm-hmm. uh, you know I haven't heard anything about Zach Smith specifically, but I, you know I'm not. I, I think that he's still dealing with something. But if Zach Smith's healthy too, that's another veteran um, that you have to make a decision on. And, and certainly the Seabrook one's going to be huge too. Where um, oh, yeah. I, I think Seabrook's, entering, Seabrook's entering, entering the season in a positive frame of mind, and um, you know wanting to do what's best for the team. But if it comes to the point where he's healthy, scratched again, or Mitchell or someone. It's jumping over him. It makes the season a little bit more, uh, I think, harder on call to make those decisions and certainly affects yeah, yeah, the room yeah. too. So I, I think there are, some of that comes into play. But I, uh, I mean, if the Blackhawks are going to be successful next year, two years down the road, you need those young guys to, to take steps forward and, and a big piece of that is them playing, you know, in a lot of games. Course, you brought yeah. up the names Alex Nylander and Brandon <laughs> Hagel, which we'll get to later. But like Alex Nylander, I want to ask first because it's so interesting that – I don't want to say it was a make or break season for him this year, but uh, it was like he's an RFA this year. He had to think if he didn't step up this season that it might be tough for him to maybe like make the like make a long term impact with the Chicago Blackhawks going forward. And I'm just wondering how this injury affects him. Are they still going to give him a chance after that, or is he done here? No, I think he's still here. I mean, the Blackhawks traded a a first round pick and someone that was still on the upside in Yoki Haru, and I know that he wasn't a a trade that many people like, but I, I think that they, uh, it, it certainly yeah. affects impacts how the Blackhawks, uh, you know, view Nylander in some effect, you know, some, th- this was a big year for Nylander. And I, and I think the Blackhawks understood that. And, um, but I, I don't think, I, I don't think they're moving on from him. He he may not have anything guaranteed going forward, but they still think he has upside and, um, you know, the, I think he's young enough where you're not, you know, he's not going to be cast away yet. So um, it, it does probably allow him to come back on a cheaper contract mm-hmm. next year. They don't have to worry about him being RFA. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether they protect him. Um, I, I don't know if he's necessarily the type of player that, you know, that Seattle is going to draft anyways, but um, yeah. it may, maybe Seattle makes the decision for them if they, if they were to draft him and he's on, you know, exposed. So um, yeah. m- my guess is that he comes back next year. They, they give him a chance and, um, but they also, you know, like you're, you're planning, you're planning without them. You don't, 
you don't know what he is. And I think this big, this season was going to be a year where you're going to f- figure out a lot about Alex Nylander. And, and now yeah. that it's gone, it's a really uh, big opportunity. It does put, uh, it puts the Blackhawks on a spot and certainly Nylander too, where um, he is young, but it's, uh, he was going to give a grand opportunity. I don't know if the Blackhawks can necessarily hand him that chance next year. It's going to have to be a little bit more earned, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's a lot coming in after this year. I would think at least with the young players, uh, Pierce, I think you want to get to that uh, specifically. Yeah, do you think they're going to give uh, time to guys like Brandon Hagel, Philip Kershev, and just even more guys in Rockford, like uh, even like Mackenzie Entwistle? Do you That's think exactly they're going to say and yeah. Nick 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 Bowden as oh as my well? god? Yeah, I think Hagel is at the top of the list right now. I think uh, yes, sir. he uh, you know he played well in the first NHL game, and he uh, he played pretty well in, in Switzerland over now, and um, I think he uh, he fits what they probably need. Kershev, it's um, I I don't think they're I think they feel like he needs some work still where he needs to be a little bit more aggressive, especially on the smaller ice. Um, I think he was trending uh, pretty positively before he got hurt last year in Rockford and eventually would have mm-hmm. got a call up. So I, I think eventually he'll, he'll get his NHL chance this season. I don't know how soon, um, you know, beyond them defensively is really hard because you know, they're going to make spots for Bolquist and Mitchell. That's the priority. Um, Lucas Carlson's probably the next guy that I'd say is on that list. Um, but where do you fit them? I mean, you, you got Dehan and, and and Murphy and Keith and and uh, Zadorov now, so I, and, and Seabrook. So it's, it's a really tight field there. So I, I think uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if Carlson's traded one day where he just doesn't fit the Blackhawks, but probably is a pretty good NHL or somewhere else. But it's not in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, Bodan was interesting. Where you know he he played a little bit better as last season went on, but. Um, honestly, he struggled in Rockford a lot last year. He was playing more of a third pairing role, and uh, they I were sort he was of surprised. He was interesting. Yeah, he was. The Icehawks, I know the Icehawks were a little bit surprised that he struggled as much as he did. So um, he, mm. he's young, too. I mean, he came in after one year junior and, and signed. So, um, you know, he doesn't have as much athleticism, and, and you know, his game's more about thinking and passing. So, um, you know, there's a chance that he doesn't pan out. I think Boquist and Mitchell, where you can see it a little bit more, um, you know, Bodan still is going to get a lot of time. So I don't know if he's on that fast track. Um, you know, you, even a guy like White Kel- Kellynek for that, you know, they signed from uh, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, he's probably guys a little bit closer. Um, and even Alec Regula, they liked a lot, who was, uh, you know, had a big season in uh, big season in London and, and they, uh, you know, trade him part of his, uh, they got him from Detroit and, um, they like his upside and his size. So it's, uh, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's strange to say, but I think the Blackhawks defensive depth is, is pretty good right now. And um, it's just, it's, there's probably some veterans blocking some of those guys and um, you know, maybe they're not exactly ready, but uh, you know, if there's injuries that occur, I think the Blackhawks have a lot of guys that they can turn to in Rockford this year um, that are, uh, they'll, they'll get looks and, and, and probably a lot of guys probably uh, deserving more among the defensemen and the forwards. I, I think N Twistle is another guy, um, you know, if he plays well in Rockford, but uh, I, I think he's going to have to show a little bit more, um, you know, even got like Evan Barrett, I think, uh, you know, he's probably a little oh bit ahead God. of the curve, just, uh, you know, he's Penn State for three years. And um, I think one of the better centers, at least uh, among the prospects. So I, I think he's a guy um, then even, you know, uh, they brought in that Matez Chalupa from uh, from the Czech Republic. And I think he's really a type of guy up too. This, uh, this offseason, the way you talk, it's like, man, there's a lot more. They really have a pool this year. You know, yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be we'll interesting. I, I think there's some guys that have a chance. I think they'll have to, uh, you know, have to spend some time in, in Rockford. And, um, but I think defensively, I think there's a few guys that I, I, I think that deserves an opportunity. And, um, th- there's some youth to build on there. So, 
um, it, it'll be interesting. But I, I think Hagel, you know, Hagel is the priority, and then then Kershev, um, at least among the forwards, and Entwistle's probably slightly slightly behind, and then defensemen, you know, Boquist and Mitchell, and then uh, and then Carlson. But I think Kalnick's probably not too far behind them as well. Oh, for sure. I want to ask uh, one last, uh, like, when it comes to the uh, um, questions about the Hawks here, I have one last one, and that was um, something I, I've uh, really, um, I, I, you know, I can't really follow the ice hogs. There's not really much access to the AHL unless you're really kind of in there watching games mm. um, in person. Um, does, I've noticed it feels that Derek King is more of a win-now coach. Is there is there anything you know or – um, I guess are able to share about Derek King because I feel that there was a huge transition when the team went from Colleton to Derek King. I felt that uh, personally that Colleton was very good at developing the young players. He seems to really have um, a good relationship with a lot of them, guys like Matthew Highmore, um, David Kampf, you know, he's apparently, you can see, he's a very huge fan of, um, and, you know, younger guys like that. But it seems that Derek King is maybe more of a win-now coach. Do you think that affects the team in terms of, or really the prospect pool in terms of development. We're seeing guys like Philip Kershev go overseas and have, you know, uh, and just, you know, completely tear it up over there. Do you, and uh, Tim Soderlund doing the same thing after he greatly struggled, struggled in the uh, AHL last year. Do you think there's something to be said there about Derek King's coaching style that might be affecting the Hawks prospects development? No, I, I don't, th- I, I don't think the coaches in Rockford have that much of a say, honestly. I think, uh, okay. you know, I, I think during the game, it's, it's a little bit, but I think a lot of their direction is, is given, you know, whether it was Ted Dent or Carlton or now, uh, yeah. you know, Derek King, that I think they're told who's in the lineup, who's not playing. Really? Um, I think a lot of those things are, 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 are determined or beforehand. So I, I think, um, wow. um, I think, I think that Stan Bowman and, you know, the Blackhawks are thinking about development and, um, and a lot of development things are happening away from those games too. You know, I mean, it's guys like Andre Sorensen and, um, you know, the assistants there. And then, you know, guy, you know, Brian Campbell has spent a lot of time in Rock for this past year and, and now it'll be, uh, you know, Eric Condra and, um, and, and the development staff. And I, I think, um, I think those have a lot of play in it, you know, like with Soderlund, sure. I, he, you know, he was playing at a second level in Sweden. I, I it's think a very that, interesting case, man. Yeah, you know, he, <laughs> he played well in India with the ECHL. I, I think there, there's something there. It's a confidence factor. I think the AHL is a little bit tough for him. Um, you know, and, and Kurashev was, you know, he, he ended up not scoring a goal in Switzerland. I mean, he had like eight assists in 10 games, and he had some good games. <laughs> Um, so I, I think he did well, but it's also, you know, he, I think the larger ice servers helped him, but sure, Kershaw, sure. I think Kershaw played well under King last year. There was a really, honestly, before he got hurt, he was, he, he was you know, really trying to yeah. Um So I, I, I don't know if it's the coaching. I, I think maybe it's the way that they present things or they say things, but I think there's an emphasis of uh, development over winning, but they certainly want to win. And, and, and that's why you see them adding veterans and, um, you know, and kind of supporting mm-hmm. some of those young guys. And, you know, even now bringing on a Cody France and to kind of help some of the young kids. So yeah. I, I don't know if the emphasis changes at all. It, it may be how they speak or, you know, Derek King being an older coach and, and, and certainly his mentality, but he's around, he's been around, you know, the HL a lot of, for a long time now, whether with uh, Toronto and Chicago. So I think he gets it. And, and again, really, I think Stan Bowman and, you know, um, uh, and Mark Bernard, you know, probably have a lot of say into who's playing in the ice time and a lot of decisions are made for them. And, and certainly they have in-game decisions, but I, I think ice time and, um, and and the priorities are kind of made by the uh, more by the hockey ops than even probably the coaches. Well, that's something I did not know. So I'm glad I asked that question. That's fascinating. 
All right, Scott, you've been very gracious with your time. Uh, we're going to let you go, but we have to ask you a few lightning round questions. <sighs> sure, I guess. Very important questions. Yes. Yeah, it's very so hard hitting, so. hard hitting questions. What is your favorite TV show of all time or like a few of them that you like? Ah, uh, mm-hmm. man. Uh, the, the most addicting show that I saw was the shield where I, where I had to watch the next episode after the next episode, after the next episode, mm-hmm. uh, 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 favorite. Oh man. Uh, I don't, all right, let me come back to that. Yeah, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, don't worry, I watch so man. many shows now that it just they all kind of blend together. Such a oh no, these are just these are just BS questions, man. We're just <laughs> we're just we're just shooting this shit. No worries at all. All right, um, Pierce, sitting with the what next is your, very what important is your, What is your uh, some of your favorite movies of all time? Uh, I think my favorite movie of all time is In Bruges uh with Colin oh, Brendan Gleeson so I uh, my buddy's trying to get me to watch that one yeah Nothing no it's, I, I, got, I got Laz to watch it last year I, I got it's it's yeah. honestly my favorite movie I went to Bruges last a couple of years ago with my wife and it was basically because I saw the movie I wanted to go there so uh in Bruges is definitely oh, uh my awesome. favorite movie so I I highly recommend you guys seeing it I think right. I've seen sometimes I feel like I see more movie takes from Laz and I do about hockey this <laughs> 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 guy's listening to the entire MCU on his account yeah, I'm like Jesus man person, yes. maybe I need a film review from this guy <laughs> All right, and the last and most important question. Oh my god. Does pineapple belong on pizza <laughs> or not? I, I, I have the worst food taste ever, so I'm I'm like a cheese sauce or pepperoni guy and Oh yeah, me too. Uh, I, I uh, so I, I will have nothing to do with pineapple, so yes. I, I would say that no. is good taste. That's good taste. <laughs> it's every time someone says pineapple, we're like, All right, man, that's cool. But you know, no, we but we're all opinion. trying to hide the fact that we actually hate every guest that says pineapples. We just don't want to tell them. Because <laughs> that would be very unprofessional, of course. Yeah, we had Saw Yusuf on and he said he liked pineapples and I'm like, Oh, good for you. You know what we respect that. <laughs> down inside i'm like sad i really liked you man but that's the deal breaker right there that's the deal breaker of pineapple pizza all right thank you scott for joining yeah no problem thanks for having me guys have a good year hey you too man thank you take care welcome everyone to the pj's cast i'm your host pierce joined alongside jimmy and a second time guest brad crisco of the wing wheel podcast what's going on brad not much just uh trying to keep up the world juniors how about you Last time we had you on, oh, you predicted that Lucas Reichel would go 17th overall to Chicago. How did you get that right? Because uh, even a broken <laughs> clock is right twice a day. I like that. I like that. So, let me ask that Pierce how. Like he has like like he has inside people. He's like talking about. <laughs> I mean, so my sources are saying that. Blah, blah, blah. I ran the numbers. I ran the percentages, and man, oh man, you're not going to believe this one. I mean, it's run one of the rare instances where I said a guy's skill fits in this range, and his skill set is a direct need for the team that's picking him. And the scouting department clearly listened to me. That's the one time it's ever happened. Sam Bowman, no, I know, man. To actually, PJ's cast well. Yeah, I actually watched the, the clock thing. I, I love the scene where they uh, popped up the, the uh, PJ's cast and they were like, oh, this, this guy knows what he's talking about. Oh, God. <laughs> Hold up <Yeah>. a minute. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Red Wings took my guy. The Hawks took my guy. Those were the two yeah, podcasts I was on pre-draft. I'm not saying that's why it's happened, but I'm also saying mm-hmm. it might not be a coincidence. Just yeah, saying. I'll take it, On man. the topic of uh, prospects. Uh, well, I, I mean, bet, so what you're saying bet... is you think the Hawks should get Shane Wright now in 2022, oh, right? Or that. next year, right? Yeah. That. That's what you're saying, Brad? Do don't do that to me. <laughs> This is all I have right now. <laughs> this is all. So on the topic like, of prospects, Brad, have you probably right. have Brad, Brad. You probably have watched the World Juniors more than any of us. How do? You, what have you think thought about it so far? Um, it's been an unfortunate tournament uh, because it's been a oh, good yeah. tournament, if that makes sense. So because of 
the pandemic, the fact the NHL hasn't started, the fact that a lot of players are at the world juniors that normally wouldn't be like Canada probably wouldn't have Dylan Cousins and Bowen Byram right now. The States probably wouldn't have a handful of guys like all the top teams have a lot of guys they likely wouldn't have. It's made the games against the lower seeds a little less interesting. Um, There's been a lot of blowouts through no faults of their own. Germany made the uh, quarterfinals for the first time in their program's history, which is a testament to how far they've come. And they they kept it close too, like that game. And they did that without two of their top three players because Lucas Reichel was held out, as you guys know, for COVID protocol. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Red Wings wouldn't let Mo Sider go because they feel his development uh, in the SHL right now is more important than what this tournament would have provided. So, I mean, and they kept it close against Russia today in the quarters. So if Reichel and Sider are there, who knows what happens? So it wasn't a complete loss for the lower end teams, but you do had, you did have to feel for the teams like Austria and, and, Slovakia, we're just honestly happy to be there Isn't still Austria at this point. Their, was it their third game? They had their first goal. Austria. Yeah, yeah, Jeez, and man. I think Switzerland went a few games without a goal, but then they had a hell of a game against Germany. Maybe the game of the tournament, honestly. Uh, but yeah, oh, it, I mean, it's still been a good, it's still been a good tournament. The Sweden Finland game today was unreal. Um, the U.S. Uh, and Russia had a pretty good game earlier in the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. At least it turned into a good game. I mean, after Spencer Knight had a few aneurysms, it seems. Yeah. yeah it wasn't a great start, but they, yeah. they kept it close. They kept it fun. Um, and Trevor Zegers is just going insane. He's all right, man. He's a, he's a decent player. He's all right. He was, uh, I mean, I love want to follow in the footsteps pick. of uh, world juniors legend, uh, Casey Middlestead. You know? <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> Listen, man, Buffalo fans have it rough. We don't need to pile on. <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird, yeah. Like I'm a big um, Buffalo Bills fan, so I got I got a lot of like the dual sports in my Twitter timeline. So like Mm -hmm. I get a lot of Sabers content. Oh boy, we think our fan bases are miserable. (laughs) Did you see the picture today of uh, Eric Stahl? Oh man, his uh, his 12 days till uh, it's like yeah, it's a picture of him. It's like 12 days till hockey. Have you seen it? Did you see that? No, I didn't. He's got hair like like the Matt. It was kind of like the Matt Duchesne picture, like right before he got traded in the training camp with Colorado. If you remember that, dead. He was like miserable, dead behind the eyes. What am I doing here? Kind Mm -hmm. of vibe. Yeah, yeah. When I say Kurt Cobain hair, I mean literally down to his shoulders. Like hasn't shaved yet. Just yeah. He's playing in Buffalo. He's playing in Buffalo. So it's a pandemic too. Like who can blame him? This is the first time yeah. he's been out of his house in nine months. Let him let him have my it. My buddy, uh, my buddy was like, Yeah, it's definitely not the pandemic and definitely playing for the Sabres. And I'm like, but but I get to make fun of the Sabres, so I'm not like, why am I gonna stop that? Yeah, I mean, I have yeah. a great love for the city of Buffalo. I go there all the time. Like I said, Bill's games. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm a diehard and I, I have nothing there's for not, love like, there's that nothing city. more like insane than a Bill's game, at least it's Oh no, it is there isn't. Nothing but else, yeah. As the Sabres being a a normal division rival, yes, I wish them nothing but misery and failure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you have to wish them that. But uh, anyways, uh, it just kind of comes around. Um, Speaking of division rivals, uh, Chicago and Detroit are in the same division for the first time (laughs) since 2013. And uh, even though it's going to be a huge race to the bottom, I think the the games are going to be a lot of fun to watch because both teams are just shit that it might be seven to six games every night. Yeah, at least it's nice to rekindle the rivalry when it's a fair fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really I'm I'm just happy. It's it's going to be I'm never going to be so sad to see the Hawks beat the Red Wings 8 times out of 8, really. I mean, I look at it. 
you know what if if we're gonna do this on the extremes yeah i'm happy with either end of the extreme either you take 16 points from us and bump mm-hmm. our pickup or we take 16 <laughs> points from you and we get bragging rights for the next 20 years i'm good with either outcome the worst thing we could do is split this four four four, four each yeah yeah that's oh, the worst yeah. thing we oh, could let's do. do it <laughs> and now that i've said that that's exactly oh, what's gonna happen oh, nobody yeah. gets to oh, brag wow. everybody gets screwed in the draft this is how it works. Oh, yeah. Third time on the podcast, Brad Crisco. You actually predicted that the teams would split the difference, and now they're both picking 15th. How do you feel about that? Yeah, uh, <laughs> That's going to be great. Dead inside. That's just generally how I oh, feel no. about the Red Wings. The World Juniors is actually the happiest I've been as a Red Wings fan in a while because I get to watch mm-hmm. nine of our prospects actually have a good tournament because in two weeks I get to watch the actual Red Wings again, and I'll be sad. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds about right. I I don't know if either of you guys follow Dom Lucision's work. Oh, Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I just saw this article and he's doing his division previews and it was just poetic where he said, according to his wins above replacement metric, no team added more net wins to their roster this offseason than the Detroit Red Wings. With the players they lost and the players they added, it was a dramatic swing to the positive, better than any other team in the league. He still hasn't projected the caveat in the is, NHL. is that they were so bad last year. <laughs> that... <laughs> yeah, we we improved all the way from dead last to still dead last, but by less. <laughs> he was when he started that off. I was like, where is he going with this? <laughs> My eyes oh, are open. Geez. There's nothing behind them. It's just dead. <laughs> I mean, at least you got uh, Thomas Grace and Jonathan Bernier. We have uh, Colin Delia or Malcolm Subban or, you know. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> may not have many distinct advantages over the Hawks, but uh, goaltending is absolutely one of them. When you put it I... in perspective, it's like you guys pulled up so high to the bottom and we pulled so far down low to the bottom. We're yeah, just trying just... to meet each other respectfully. And to be fair, his projections when he did them uh, did not include the absences of Kirby Doc and Jonathan Taze, which probably pushed you guys even further. Yeah, no, I was going to say that's maybe a, that's maybe mm-hmm. a tie right there with the center depth, considering that Doc and Taze are out in defense. So yeah, it's going to be if you have Strom. That's if you have Strom. Yeah, and that's, that's if you have Dylan Strom. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like Dylan Strom. I don't think he's make or breaking your season. <laughs> no. no, he's not. No, no, that was, he at least well, makes you look a little bit less like awful on paper oh he helps dylan strom for you guys is our robbie fabry objectively a good player but not a line driver you'd rather have him than not but if you pull him out of the lineup it's Mm -hmm. not changing all that much for a good team but for our teams it's like oh fabry or strom's gonna miss the next two to four weeks oh we're screwed oh (laughs) oh god no this guy is falling like it's it's all about perspective right it's like red wings fans right now we're the argument um, since training camp started yesterday is we saw that the Red Wings had Robbie Fabry pay- playing second line center and Bobby Ryan and Philip Zadine on the wings, oh, which then put Vlad Nemesnikov to the third line. And this was a huge argument. <laughs> Let me be clear. Vlad Nemesnikov oh, being on the second or third line was a gigantic talking point. If you want to know, if you want a telltale sign, that your team is bad. <laughs> that's it. Uh, that's like us. That's Carl Soderberg's yeah. going to be the first line center for us. That's nearly as exciting as the uh, Carl Soderberg, Andrew Shaw, the TSC Edmark <laughs> argument, man. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> that's riveting, man. Jeez. I know. And, and the, at least you guys are newly bad, like re- reasonably newly bad. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Red Wings fans have lost perspective because most of us understand. 
that right. in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't matter. My second line hill to die in is I just want Philip Zadina there. A, because he's yes. the best player we have for the second line. And B, he's young. We, he still matters. Everybody <laughs> over the age of 25, I could give a shit where they're playing in the lineup right now. But right. like just other bodies, fans would be like, bodies, no, 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 no. This player, this, this mediocre third line player is the hill we're willing to die. And I'm like, you guys are aware playoff teams don't have these arguments, right? Right? Like, it doesn't matter. We need Luke Glendening on the second line right now. It's going to happen, and that's not funny. That's a trigger for a lot of us. You go into the season after having – how many wins did you guys have last year? 17. You have 17 wins, and you start the next year, and your fans go, God fucking damn it. But is Vlad Nevestikov the second line center? You know what? He it, it doesn't that? matter. But my I was in the argument of he should be. <laughs> he's better than I would think. Are. He's he's not bad. He's not bad. Yeah. Well, the the, the yeah. whole argument. I'm being a little facetious here, but because yeah. the argument is the Red Wings are trying Robbie Fabry at center on the second line. I don't think he's very well suited for it. Skill wise, I'll agree, he's better than Domestikov, mm-hmm. but I, I think he's a straight winger. But if they want to try it, hell, this is the season to try it. Why not? So again, not a hill I'm willing to die Dude, on. Dude, put fucking Danny DeKaiser at center. You really have nothing to lose. Exactly. Put Mark Stahl at center. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that second round. If if the caveat of getting the second round pick was to par- put Mark Stahl at center, I'm all for it, honestly. <laughs> I've argued, you know, if you put a guy if you put Brent Seabrook or Mark Stahl at the wing, they're less detrimental to your team. Yeah, at that point, though, I, my argument would yeah. be if you're having that conversation, just they're in, uh, we call it in Detroit, Cleary's Cabana, uh, the, the press oh, box fair. every game. Uh, oh, but yeah. hey, Philly's trying Sam Morin at right uh, left oh, wing yeah, this preseason, that, so yeah. anything can happen. Hmm? Hmm? What? Since when? What? They yeah, just announced yeah. it like the other day Sam Morin's going to be playing wing for him, and he's like six foot seven, I think. Like he's a big guy. Yeah. That's literally Dustin Bufflin. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it works for some guys. Yeah. I mean, Brent Burns too. isn't I mean, what you would call talented, been, but... Yeah, I remember him getting drafted, and then I don't remember him. Uh, yeah, he just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Was it Sam Morton? Who was the other guy in that draft? Um, Adorov, who I think we have. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's sadly... <laughs> It's weird. There's a long history of top 15 picks whose main attribute was being big that just hasn't worked out for those teams. I mean, Lawson Krause, Dylan McElrath. Oh, I was going to say that Dylan McElrath, that they picked him over Cam Fowler in 2010. <laughs> it's amazing how that's just not a translatable trait without some talent. They just haven't been so. given a big enough chance yet. Yeah. They've seen a better role. They just need you more know? chances. Absolutely. Or, I mean, oh, Dylan McElrath is in the you? Red Wing system right now. He's a, a middle pair <laughs> guy there. in Grand Rapids. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, he's about to get his big chance. Yeah, I, he this did see some games yeah, last year as a yeah. testament to how bad the Red Wings were. He did play for the Detroit Red Wings last season, so I really can't say a lot. But, but if you're Joshua yeah. Ho- Hosang, no, you don't get a chance at all. No, yeah, I know. no. Uh, yeah. Uh, wait, oh, wait, is Lou being uh, negative to the Guys with skill and personality. I never would have seen that coming. Yeah. Oh, not at all. No, no. Well, it's because he wore sixty six. Obviously, that's the and he's why. and he's the best. He disrespect he's, he, he's the best GM of all time. Don't you know? Lou so, so here's one thing. Here's one thing that I hate. When Josh Hosang wore number sixty six, and everybody got in a tizzy. Like mm. everybody is aware, the New York Islanders are a divisional rival of the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you don't love that troll, you don't love being competitive. No. Because <laughs> Like, seriously man oh my god what like i'm trying to think of a strictly unique number so again uh, 
Patrick Kane wears number 80. I know a sure, lot of players sure. wear 80, but let's just use Patrick Kane as an example. If Lucas Raymond made the Detroit Red Wings this year, knowing the Hawks were in a division, and he said, screw it, I'm wearing number 88, even After though he's never no problem with it. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. All time, I'm buying that jersey. That's an all-time <laughs> move. I love it. Like well, I, now, I get that only works for certain numbers, but still, mm-hmm. I love. Well, it. now that just makes me think that I really want an Islanders player to wear eighty-seven. Like that needs to happen now, <laughs> please. Oh, oh man. Well, who was it? It was one of my favorite things ever. It was a nobody. Why aren't we attacking Brian Dumoulin for wearing Ovechkin's number? I don't see where the, where uh, I don't see where that conversation is. So. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going the other way with this one. There was a mm-hmm. player for the Capitals, an absolute goon named Liam, Liam O'Brien or something like yes. that about yes. seven uh, or eight years ago. 87, he 87. wore 87 yeah. in Washington and he immediately became one of my top five favorite players that year. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a massive proponent of let the players speak, let the players have some personality i much prefer the nba model to the mlb model i want to know the players i want the players to market Mm -hmm. themselves i want the players to do stupid shit and obviously not anything unsafe but i want them to do stupid shit because i want something to talk about i want to know more about these players you know who i absolutely respect the ever living hell out of brad marchand love it i hate the Mm. guy Mm-hmm. I hate him. I hate everything about him as a player on the ice, but I respect the hell out of him because he doesn't give a shit what I or you or anybody thinks. I respect he goes that he's, out a there, he's a jackass. Yeah, he goes yeah, out there. He's yeah. a jackass. He knows he's a jackass. Yeah. He plays up the fact that he's a jackass, and I respect <laughs> yeah. that. We need mm-hmm. more guys like that because you know who people talk about a ton? Brad mm-hmm. Marchand. The one you know, like, well, people, and this is the thing, and I feel like – um. The NBA does this again. The NBA, like that's the that's the exact model I always go with. The the NHL needs an Adam Silver, a guy who likes the players and wants the players to be who they want to be. Yeah. Like you got you got Austin Matthews, uh, da, 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 talking about character. Like that's how bad it is to where Austin Matthews is the one saying we need to have more personality on the ice. Not that he's the most boring person, but I don't think personality might think Austin Matthews. But if someone like him and that side can realize that, that there's something going on. But the thing about the NBA that's great is that you don't just have rivalries with teams. There are players you just fucking hate. I know so yeah. many different players. Oh, oh God, what's his eye? Oh, my God. Uh, Lance Stevenson. Yep. Blowing in LeBron. Also, Chandler Stevenson. Like, see, that's where my mind is. Um, blowing in LeBron's ear in the playoffs. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I can't believe Pierce Stevenson <laughs> on the pace. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, like I know. I know. I don't watch the NBA. I just don't. I'm, I'm very like, I just watch hockey and I watch movies. Like that's, those are my two things. But I don't know who the hell Chandler Stevenson I do. Chandler I know who Lance Stevenson is too. I know. Yeah. I, I'm going to be seeing this guy in my nightmares tonight. But no, like that's the thing. There are guys like that who you know who the hell they are. Yeah. Who the fuck knows anybody? In the the NBA, the NBA like exceeds pop, pop culture. Like, you know who LeBron James yeah. is. Like hockey. When Kobe is there, passed like, away. That was everybody felt that. I know. But like hockey, is there really anyone like that? I can't really think of anyone. Maybe like Ovechkin. I don't know. But no, I'm going to give you the best example of how, you know what? I, I want to pin this on the NHL and Bettman and Daly. It's not, it's not them. They, culture Bettman hockey, has actually tried culture a lot of, of cool hockey. Yeah. It's just the culture yeah. of hockey. Play a boring style, dump and chase, shut your mouth, listen to your coach. Like that's hockey culture. And I, I grew, I've been playing hockey for mm-hmm. 29, almost 30 years. I hate it. Um, oh, it's awful. Like he, there's one guy who's objectively a good dude that all of hockey 
hates P.K. Subban. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Why do people hate him? He's fun. He's donated a ton of money. He does his own thing. He has his own brand. He has fun. He posts on social media. He engages with fans. He engages with the thing. And again, he's visibly, you look at P.K. Subban, there's something Hmm. different about him from the average hockey player. And that is one of the biggest (laughs) untapped markets in North America. You want to bring Mm -hmm. the NBA fans over to hockey? P.K. Subban, because who Mm -hmm. he is and what he represents is the perfect guy to bring in that demographic. Mm -hmm. So why do we hate him? Why do we want him to shut up? Why do we want him to calm down? I mean, you guys in Chicago have it better than we do in Detroit, at least, because Detroit's one of the most boring organizations in the planet. Your best player's nickname is Showtime. I mean, at least there's some guys (laughs) out there who are bringing it in. Uh, I think the thing is, like, Patrick Kane's, like, the one – I was going to say, there's one guy that everybody else – like in other sports knows and it's not even me being like a like you know a hawks fan like patrick kane's like a kind of guy people know about because he's he's the fun you know he's the on the ice at least he's just on the ice paint paint on a wall drying boring off the ice for the most part but on the ice he's fun he's you know he's got the energy he's got the character for whatever reason for whatever reason he's the one who's just gotten that attention from other like just fans in general i mean mcdavid you see sometimes ovechkin's kind of there too but it's usually it's usually kane um, but yes, yeah, Subban. Subban's like I've I will die on this hill. I don't think I. I mean, I, I don't have to think he's the best player to think he's a fun like fun guy. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, you put him in the NFL, the NBA, which are probably the two I'd say two biggest leagues in terms of character. He doesn't stand out that much. He doesn't stand out that much. He doesn't no, stand he's out that tame. much. He's tame by NBA he's tame. standards. Exactly, and you've got people like making fun of him. Like I, I see, and this is like the most twenty twenty one I guess thing ever. Is I see people on TikTok, like hockey fans making fun of him and like his workouts and stuff like that. I'm like, are, like what, what do you have? Funny you have anything better to do Two, It just shows I'm like, I'm watching it and I'm like trying to pull my hair out. I'm like, we have a gold mine. We have somebody who could be taking this farther and we're putting him down for doing that. He is literally, he is literally the future of your sport. No, like, I, I, I don't blame Batman, but you, you need somebody who has the wherewithal to to break the strongest, most unbreakable force in the entire world, and that is old white man hockey culture. And you mentioned playing hockey. I played for four years, man. I played for four years, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh yeah, never lived a day without it when I played. It's absolutely brutal. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned TikTok too, because I've I've made this realization over the year, whatever I've been on there. Mm-hmm. One, I love TikTok. Two, yes. I love hockey. Three, I hate hockey TikTok. Thank I don't you. want anything to do with it. It's the awful. It's dumbest. Awful. Somehow hockey TikTok has managed to be dumber than Facebook comments. And that's an accomplishment. <laughs> you know, there's like two sides of it. There's either people who are really, really corny because it's TikTok, but yeah. I would rather take them over the people who talk about, well, I'm also a little bit younger. So you got a bunch of college guys talking about how like, you know, how the boys do it and this and this and this and that and all that. For the uh, boys. Lovely. For the boys. Yeah. They got their barstool thing in the background or a girl talking about how like, Oh, hockey players are great because this one, two, three toxic masculinity traits just line them all out there, and it's like just it, it's it's what the sport is. Like I was, I was weird. You mentioned I was in my car after I went to uh, uh, I went to the hockey store today. How great! Try on some skates. Good time. Uh, and I'm sitting in my car and I'm just like I I don't, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but I was just you know the hockey culture conversation. It's it's so prevalent. I feel like among people who have half a brain and like the sport. And it's just like, what is it like when, 
where do you pinpoint this and how do you stop it? It's just there, you know? <sighs> yeah. I, you I really, really have to stop know. it from the beginning. Like you got, I mean, a big, a big thing for me is that I feel like there's more diversity. I think a big thing for me, I've seen like black girl hockey club. It's one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Love it. And they're very big about that. Like that's a very big thing because I think that you can't stop it at the top. You have to dig out the roots. And the, I mean, like we mentioned Batman, you know, again, yeah, you're right. He can only do so much. He, yeah. He's basically looking at like the finished product and you need to change the ingredients. Problem it works for the that. owners too. He doesn't really work for the players as much. Yeah, yeah, so he's, just, he's, yeah. he's the puppet master. But like, I, yeah. I have a, a a good friend actually. Um, we had her on our podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, her name is Lauren Gable. She's a uh, she plays for the Team Canada national women's hockey team. Uh, and Moonlights is a beer league ringer on my team. Um, it, the misconceptions, it, like we talk about PK Sum and all that. If you want to see what is wrong with hockey culture, just follow anything on social media with. What happened there? Oh, oh, he'll be okay. Okay. He's just a shitty camera. Yeah, that's all right. No worries. So, yeah, follow what's going on with women's hockey at the on social media, I should say, because we had to have her on to explain listen, it would be nice if female hockey players could make the same as NHL players, but obviously they're not going to bring the same revenue. So, we know they're not going to make the same Mm -hmm. money. That's fine. All they're asking for is structure they want to have a home rink they want to not work a full-time job while playing they want to make a living out of it for something that they They work for their whole lives exactly and like the fact Mm -hmm. that she has to explain that to people and everybody in women's hockey has to explain that to people is staggering to me and they're like oh well how are they going to make money i mean if they get a little bit of a kick from the nhl at the start to put the protocols in place and to put the structure in place that would be a good thing i had Tons of people after we had her on the thing, they're like, man, if there was a team in Detroit and they did a doubleheader, a Red Wings game in the afternoon and then the Wings game at night, I would go to both. And I'm like, perfect. That, that's what they need. Like, it's... that is exactly what they need. Yeah. Okay. So the Little Caesars Arena hosts 20,000 people. Maybe the women's game only gets like 7,000 people. Do you know how much 7,000 tickets is at 15 bucks a pop? That's a lot of goddamn money. And yeah. it's, it's a just... lot more than they're making at the moment, at least. But then you say this to them and they're like, oh, yeah, but the level of hockey is not there. Yes, oh obviously, God. it's not to the level of the okay. greatest Holy league shit. on earth. No shit. But do you still go to junior games? Do you go to the OHL? Do you go to the USHL? Oh, you, you watch do watch those games. Juniors? Those aren't at the level of the NHL, but you still enjoy them. Like, it's Thank just, you. it's Thank asinine you. to me. And I, I don't, I apologize for derailing this podcast. No, no, this is, oh, no, but this always, is my I'll biggest say this, pet I peeve. I say Pierce, I'm like, sorry for the tangent. He's like, that's literally what podcasts are for, man. Yeah. Like, shut up. Like, <laughs> anytime down, this topic comes up, it's my single biggest pet No, I am very... I always go. I've been... Oh, man. The amount of times I've been called uh, an SJW by um, other, like, former uh, hockey teammates about, like, talking about that. I'm like, like, this isn't like I'm trying to be, like, outside the box because to be cool, like, it's a fashion statement. This is just, just a simple thing. If you well, really take the time to look into it, it's like, it's so goddamn simple like you have women how long have there been national women's leagues not that long so they have to progress you need to help them progress we're helping junior leagues progress we've always done that so why can't why just because they're women we can't do that they have to just do it on their don't own. you like hockey don't you want everyone to be able to play it like i that's what i, I like hockey understand. okay watch women's hockey I, you know, yeah do you like women yeah more hockey i don't care where. <laughs> yes. if you want to put a friggin kazakhstani national game on tsn at two in the afternoon when nothing else is on i will watch it 
Like it's <laughs> hockey. It's and like pizza. It, Pizza's pizza, no matter what's on, even if it's pineapple. It's, hockey, it's Pizza hockey. Hut, so I'm good. No, Pierce, you just got me into an entire conversation you do not want to get into as someone who has worked at multiple pizza places. But <laughs> I get your point. But uh, yeah, it, it's it sucks that you're in a in an environment where you get roasted for because because oh, I have yes, a friend who plays for the national team and she comes mm-hmm. out and plays for my beer league team and plays shinny with me and all my buddies and we run very high level shinnies and she comes mm-hmm. out and she roasts everybody out there. Awesome. She is That's the awesome. best player, <laughs> if not one of the best players on the ice. So all my friends go, oh yeah, no, they are really 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 good like it's like that guy on the home oh i could play for the women's national team. No, oh my no, god oh my god i know you could not even like well they could you know they play like they could you know look at the bantam teams play against them i'm like because there are like for one that's like you have to really 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 dig into that to know what's really going on with that it's like a republican right now um but then there's like the fact that like if there's a bantam team that's playing against a women's team it's probably because they are like Canadian, like midgets, junior players, like junior level players. And like I said, and people don't focus on this, women's leagues are new. Women have not been allowed to be athletes for long enough. Therefore, they are not going to be as good yet. They cannot be as good overnight. No one's asking to put them in the NHL right away. Give them their own NHL and we'll see where things go. No one's asking for you to shove Hillary Knight into the Stanley Cup Finals Game 7. Like she and, probably wouldn't, she might be ready for that. She might not be, but no one's trying to figure that out yet. We're just trying to get their own league started for now. And it's the thing that gets neglected in this argument too. It is in my biggest argument for why the NHL should jump into women's hockey is I think long-term it will be financially beneficial for them. Yes. I understand yes. they will operate at a loss for a few years to get it going. Any new venture always starts at a loss. I was going to say, I isn't fully that understand that. It's I literally mean, the most American yeah. argument. It's yeah. so frustrating. Well, we're not going to make money off of it. You won't at first. Of course, you won't. Because if you Any put women's hockey players, like... yeah. But if you put women hockey players, female hockey players at a high level on TV, you know who's going to watch that? Little girls. Do you know what's going to happen with those little girls as they grow up? They're going to grow up to be hockey players. They're going to grow up to be hockey fans. And much like us, they will probably watch any hockey. So if they're a fan of the Detroit Lady Red Wings or whatever you want to call them, do you know who else they're (laughs) going to watch? The Detroit Red Wings. Are they going to buy merch for both teams? Probably. Are they going to buy tickets for both teams? Probably. You are growing your fan base for all the same reasons the league should embrace P.K. Subban the league should embrace women's hockey because it's going to grow new demographics. I have a four-year-old daughter who started playing hockey this year. She won't listen to a goddamn thing I say when I try to teach her hockey. Do you know why? Because <laughs> she's seen our friend Lauren play hockey on TV. So she will listen to Lauren. <laughs> she's come to my games. She That's plays amazing. hockey with me. I'm one That's of the amazing. coaches in her hockey basics program. She knows I'm good at hockey. It doesn't matter. She wants to listen to Lauren. Because I'm not on TV and she is. <laughs> That's amazing. That's well. I think what I'm going to so, do when I get older is I'm just not going to make friends with good hockey players because that's you've you've clearly set the bar for what I have to do to be a hockey dad <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> it's I think okay. It really it really shows the issue with the whole, not just the culture, but it shows the entire problem that we're almost explaining to each other to everybody else in dollar signs, what should just be a moral conversation. 
Yeah, we and- should just be going, hey, help the women's players out, and they'll they'll do the rest for you. But there's, I, I get it, it's a business, but like, like, come on, man. You know, when is it? You know, what I mean, like, at what point do you just go, hey, this is good for people in general, and you make money off of it, but not have to just put the money in front of it. I mean, I, I I will have the conversation if people want to have it from a business sense. But I've I own I I ran oh, a successful yeah. business for ten years and still own a business on the side. Now mm-hmm. I, I understand that the money isn't made at the beginning; it's made long term. It's about growth, and the only way you get more growth is mm-hmm. if you get more eyeballs, you get more ears, you get more yeah. people involved in whatever the hell it is you're doing. Yeah, and then you make the money. I it's like, like how it, how is that literally not the like you said the biggest untapped market. Yeah, there's there's two massively untapped markets in North America that the NHL currently is missing on. Now, whether or not that's a direct fault of the NHL is absolutely up for debate. Like I said earlier, I think hockey culture is the biggest issue, but Mm -hmm. they need to do something to attack these markets. I will give the NHL credit. They have been embracing uh, the women's hockey game very well over the last few years. They haven't gone all the way to building their own league, but having them at the all-star game and promoting them as much as they have. And Kendall Coyne I mean, just kicking yeah. ass was amazing. Was I, so now she has a job. Love it. The now, Blackhawks, yeah. Now this is getting to my grandiose point that right now I'm pretty sure the Team Canada National Women's Team could beat the 1920 Detroit Red Wings. Anyways. <laughs> All right, so there's only a minute and a half in this call left in this call, like for recording the meeting. So I want to end it off quick, and I don't want to keep you going too long, Brad. It's been awesome having you on. It's always great having you on. So we're just gonna put a few uh, lightning round questions. The first one being, what is your favorite movie of all time, or some of your favorite movies of all time? Uh, Inglorious Bastards and Goon. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Wow, my friend. I have a friend from hockey. Um, who is going to absolutely love that? Like, just eat that up completely. Anyway, he just told me last week, he's like, Christoph Waltz is the best performance of all time, and I'll hear nothing Ooh, else. that's a bingo. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. What are some of your favorite TV shows of all time? Um, oh, God. Too many to name. I'll just stick to one. Uh, I'll, go to, I'll give you two. Fringe mm-hmm. and Orphan Black. I'm, I'm a big fan of the realistic really? sci-fi. Oh, sci-fi. You got me going there, buddy. I have not and, seen those, but I heard sci-fi, so... And the last and most important question, do you think put a pineapple belongs on pizza? Okay, so I have apparently the most controversial opinion on this because I don't care. I, I will take it with or without I it. Pizza's pizza. That is perfectly fine. Hey, it yeah, is. If, if, you, if 50% of you is against pineapple, then I'm. that's round up to 100. I'm okay with you. Yeah, it's. I, if someone wants to order pizza with pineapple, my answer is sure. If they're like, no, let's leave it off. My answer is sure. Wait, Pearson, yeah, you said, yeah, pizza's pizza. So yeah. there you go. All right. Thank you, Brad, for coming on. And uh, yeah, thank you for everyone tuning in. It's always good to have Brad on. Thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, no worries, guys. Anytime. Welcome, everyone, to the final interview of the season preview. And our guest this time is Marin Angus. What's going on, Marin? I'm just hanging out in Omaha, Nebraska with some puppies right now. Oh, how fun. You're living the dream right now. (laughs) Uh All right. So. Um, we're not going to waste any time. I just want to get to know you a bit more, like what your background is and how you got into writing and got into sports and all of that. Yeah, so I was raised in Nashville and grew up in a hockey family. So in high school, my dad's best friend started a regional hockey magazine. It was called Center Ice Magazine. So I just, I started writing for him, doing some kind of gear pieces so I I wrote about some companies that were up and coming back then so like Evo Shield and Swiftwick 
were two of the stories that I wrote and now they're huge companies. So that was really cool for me. And then once I got the hang of it and started to feel comfortable, uh, he threw me into the ring and said, Hey, like, let, let's get you writing some NHL stories. So I was 16 years old and covering the predators. I went into the locker room. I had to have a guardian with me because I was 16. <laughs> oh, wow. And, uh, you know, it was one of those weird things because one day I was doing a science project on Chris Chelios and, like, <laughs> and then the, and then the next week I was interviewing him. So it was super cool. And just since then, I've kind of moved all over the place. I was at Arizona state for school and was on the hockey broadcast team when we were just a club. We weren't an NCAA program yet. And yeah, I've, I've written at the Tennessean at USA hockey magazine and, and now at Broadway sports covering the Preds. Sounds like a lot of fun. So what year was it that you first got to cover the Predators? Oh gosh. Um, let's see. I graduated high school in 09. I covered the Predators. That would have been like 07. Oh Yeah. I would have only been a little seven-year-old then, <laughs> but uh, um, onto the Nashville pre- questions for the Nashville Predators. So Nashville is an interesting team to me because they have a playoff team. They've historically been known for having a great defense. They're like they have the Norris winner with Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, they have Matias Ekholm, and now they have Dante Fabro, and of course goaltending. You got uh, Pekarene, and now UC Saros is going to pick him over and. You look at their forward core, they, yeah, they got some nice pieces, but uh, one thing that kind of stands out to me is that a lot of them aren't uh, like uh, drafted or homegrown uh, talents. A lot of them are through trade and free agency, and um, you look at Phil Forsberg, he was traded from Washington, even though that was a that was a steal of a trade. You got Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones, you got um, Kyle, or sorry, Matt Duchesne through free agency. I just mixed the two names up because of that big trade that happened a few years ago, and yeah. You're, you really you think the like the only like uh, homegrown talent I can think of is like Victor Arvidsson, who they drafted in the fourth round, I think. And even one I think about that they just traded Kevin Fiala. Um, I think he went in the top fifteen in twenty fourteen and is emerging as one of the better offensive players in the league. And I just want to get your thoughts about that. Um, uh, do they have any maybe offensive players coming through the minors that they've developed if the, that uh, might come on the team and make an impact? Yeah, it's really interesting because when the Predators were in there, I want to say, like, I don't want to say heyday because they're still pretty young yeah. as a franchise. But, <laughs> but when they were making the playoffs consistently and being one of those those consistent teams that that wreaked havoc on everybody, they had a lot of homegrown talent. So you make a really good point with the lack of that now, and. And going forward, I think we're looking at players like Tolvanen, yeah, who who's spending some time in the minors and some time in Europe, and and being able to to come in and and they're expecting him to to play at the NHL level this year. And uh, you know we've got so there's so many young guys, but they just they just brought back Grandland on for a year. They went out and signed halla for a year so i think they're hoping that there can be a veteran presence but with the taxi squad this year i think they'll be able to 
bring some of the young guys on the road and, and throw them in when needed. Yeah, and another interesting situation in Nashville is the goaltending situation because Pekka Rene has been there for such a long time. One of Vesna brought them to the Stanley Cup final, and uh, UC Saros got the start uh, there in the 2020 uh, qualifying round against uh, Arizona, and I'm just wondering what that situation there is. Pekka Rene kind of on his, uh, his uh, like, is this his last year, or does he still have more to give? <laughs> <laughs> Bo wants to make <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, for um, those who are, who are just listening, her dog is uh, staring right into the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, when it comes to goaltending in Nashville, it's it it's another interesting thing because. For years, the Predators have built their goaltending on on hype, on, on having that presence in net that is well above six feet tall. And then they bring in a guy like UC Saros and he is not. And, but he, I don't want to say he stunned everybody because he's been solid since they, they brought him up from the AHL. But now in this, he's in this situation where there's going to be a lot of back-to-back games this season. And I think it's going to work in the, in the Preds favor because you're going to be able to use Peck's one Pekka one night, and then you're going to be able to use UC the next night. So I think that I think for the Predators specifically having that advantage to having two starting goaltenders, because either one could be a starter anywhere in the league. So they have two starting goaltenders that are going to get us a, a split season, basically. So I think that that's going to work to to their advantage for sure. Definitely interesting. Uh, Nashville is just an intriguing team to me because I'm not exactly sure what they are. You think maybe they could contend for a cup or maybe they kind of follow the playoff spot. I'm not exactly what to what to expect out of them, but they're definitely an interesting team. And But uh, also at the same time, I expect them to whoop the Chicago Blackhawks' ass like eight out of eight times this year. Right. So. <laughs> well, it, it is the, the realignment makes, I think, makes it difficult for the Predators in their path to the playoffs. So if you were to look at the Predators in a regular season when they're in their division, they're for sure a playoff team. But this realignment and bringing Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Columbus back into the mix, I don't know. I think that fourth playoff spot out of this division is between Dallas and Nashville. And that those games throughout the season – are going to they're going to be a bloodbath yeah i mean even because i think those two teams know that they're gonna they're fighting for a playoff spot from from the moment the season starts yeah and they got a bit of a rivalry well not maybe a rivalry but uh, they got some uh hate going on from that 2019 series so that'll definitely be uh, interesting to watch and yeah that uh final fourth spot because i personally i think it's gonna be tampa carolina and then uh, dallas but uh, yeah, well, I think a combination of Dallas, Columbus, and uh, Nashville are going to kind of be fighting yeah. for that third and fourth spot, and one of them's going to get left out. So that's definitely going to be interesting to watch. Even you can even lump Florida in there, but I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, it's it's yeah. either way, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who gets that fourth spot. And it's, I think it's going to be like that for a lot of divisions. So that's what's going to make this year so interesting. So many competitive games, so many back to backs within such a condensed schedule. So um, yeah. Um, 
you've been great with your time. Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> it's been awesome talking to you and uh, seeing your dogs as well. And I just want to, I just want to ask you like a few um, uh, lightning round questions before I let you go here. Cause I also got stuff to do as, as so do you um, uh, just, uh, you don't have to list your favorite movie of all time, but what are some of your favorite movies? Oh, favorite movie of all time is Top Gun. Hands down, like no comments. <laughs> so I can name that. That was an easy question. But if you want me to name my top three movies of all time, I can also do that. Yeah, do that. So, yeah, that works. Number two is Back to the Future. I can Back watch to the future? that. Yeah, love it. I can watch Back to the Future and Top Gun on repeat and never get tired of them. And then my third favorite movie. Uh, let's see. I think it would be, it'd be Miracle. Love that movie. It's so quotable. I mean, that's what I look for in a good movie is quotable. Yeah. Use it in my daily life. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Um, uh, What are some of your uh, top TV shows of all time? Favorite TV shows? Law and Order SVU. That's number one. I, uh, my two best friends and I watch that show together. We all, we live in three different states. Um, one of my best friends, Sarah McClellan covers the Minnesota wild. Yes. I've heard of her. Yeah. And, uh, so her, and then our friend Kim lives in New York and, uh, the three of us watch it together and then we will text each other. That's awesome. (laughs) So, uh, law and order SVU for sure is number one. And then I'm, I'm just a huge crime show fan. So criminal minds. Yeah. And NCIS. My parents um, love a lot of that stuff because I think that came out when they were young adults. A lot of that. So those are my other two. Hey, you're like grouping me in with your parents' ages. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Not that old. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, um, what are some of your favorite uh, bands, uh, albums, or any of that of all time? All time. I'm a huge country music fan. Yeah. Eric Church is the best. And Kenny Chesney and Miranda Lambert. Those are my top three art- artists. Mm. All right. Um, and the last and most of final important question, does pineapple belong on pizza? Absolutely. Pineapple belongs on pizza with jalapenos. Jalapenos. And wow. Pineapple and jalapenos. It's sweet and spicy. It's the perfect combination. And if anyone thinks pineapple doesn't belong on a pizza, they should try it with jalapenos and get back at me. Wow. All right. I, I like that. I like that boldness because we've had a couple guests on say yes and no. And then we had another guy say it doesn't matter. Pizza's pizza, which I I pretty much agree with. Pizza's pizza. I'll eat it no matter what. But you know what? I got to try pineapple and jalapeno. That's interesting. I'll have yep. to get back to you on that. So you uh, let me know how that goes. I'm not sure how it works. Like deep dish wise, you should probably do thin crust if you're mm-hmm. going to try the pineapple and jalapeno combination. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Awesome. So thank you for coming on, Marin, uh, being gracious with your time. And you were a great uh, last interview for the season preview. You did a great job of being the closer. <laughs> so uh, it was awesome having you on and also seeing your dogs. And uh, yeah, uh, best of thank luck you. to you in the upcoming future. And uh, maybe yeah. we'll talk again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.